0: Hey everybody and welcome to episode 94 of the Bonehead Podcast where we talk all things Blood Bowl. Welcome back, I'm Ben, and normally we'd be joined by Blood Ben, but he is playing his trumpet tonight, so can't make it. Luckily, we've got our 3D printing correspondent, Ian Triple Pow Triplo joining the crew instead. Ian, how are you today? I'm all good yourself, Ben. Not bad at all. It's been a it's been a weird couple of weeks. Like Blood Bowl seems to be like really busy but also really quiet at the same time. It's it's really weird. I think I've got post project blues from like the Norse release. Uh but you know can't really complain how are you trips all good looking uh, forward to a summer of blood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got a good summer of blood Bowl coming not as good as next year uh, but it's not going to be bad anyway uh, episode 90 flipping four trips what are we chatting about today
1: uh, so today we're going to be talking about choosing a team and uh, reviewing the faq and seeing what else we would have
0: liked to see in it and the usual hobby games and news that's exactly right so yeah choosing a team we're going to have a bit of a deep dive into the things you go through when picking a team whether it's league whether it's tournament play styles as well and then uh, probably you're probably sick of hearing about the faq now but it's very important that we do go through the faq what's changed what's not changed what did they completely miss out that they probably should have put in there um but first of all as ever let's have a quick look at blood bowl news Okay, so Blood Bowl News. Obviously the biggest thing is that Norse has been released. All of that's gone live and feels a bit old hat now, Trips. I mean, how long ago was it that Norse came out? Oh, right,
1: like the whole three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Three four weeks, three weeks, weeks ago. I mean, even
0: has come out now. I mean, we're we're living in the that's the new times. That's true. Are we we're complete for OG Star players now, right? Uh, yeah we're pretty not only
1: do we have the star players we finally have the miniatures to to play with them
0: yeah which means it must be Grashnak Blackhoof we're waiting for Max the Chainsaw Boy no not Max uh, Bryce the Slice Cambu. Yep. E, is that it now have uh, I other than, have I missed other than that, like... somebody are we, are we really that close now we're two star players away think so oh. i think we're at that stage
1: where we desperately need another spike
0: <laughs> yeah well the good i tell you what i don't know how you feel about this but i like the way they're doing ad hoc star players now as well like you know creek and Barrack Farblast. who spoiler alert we will talk a little bit about later um but it just feels like and the and the goblin star players right the fact they can just drop them out of nowhere it fills me with a little bit of hope um it does feel like they are
1: massively tidying up Blood Bowl and go well actually if we're going to release rules for something we will release a miniature for it and maybe hopefully in the future it'll be the rules and the miniatures rather than here are the rules and in two years time you may see a
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Blood Bowl is a really interesting kind of case study for Games Workshop uh, like I-, I think I think more than any of their other games they're under so under a lot of pressure from third party for, for at least like I'd say, the, the core of competitive blood bowlers or historic blood bowlers. Like, a new blood bowler coming into it, you know, There's a, I was there. I, there's a huge element. Like, you join the hobby, you join Games Workshop, and then you spend the first couple of years living in a Games Workshop bubble, and then you discover third-party games, and you kind of go off. Like, I think now it's stuff like Burrows and Badgers and things like that. But when I was growing up, it was a game called Warzone, uh, which was set in the Mutant Chronicles universe, and then there was Reaper miniatures, and we kind of, like, went off and found loads of third-party stuff. But with Blood Bowl, it feels like if they release a list or a roster or a star player without a model... Gribo and punga and i think maybe caliver 3d or an R&E studio i just like yeah. three days later or blooming brute fun who is a machine like three days later is like yep here you go guys and then i don't know about you trips but i've got my rumblo like i've had my rumblo for a while now and i've not oh. needed him but I- not- i've
1: taken rumblo to a tournament last year <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna ever get that run because i prefer my one i can paint him white
0: that's exactly it now you've got that run you're not gonna go and buy the brains um although the the paint scheme of run on a like a a black sheep much better much 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 better much better looks much less like it belongs on the wagamama's menu um udon noodles they're kind of creepy looking but yeah so um blood bowl news no new teams no new models, at least Games Workshop-wise. I couldn't find anything kicking around the Kickstarterverse that is live at the moment for Fantasy live A,
1: a few rumours of stuff coming in the uh, next few weeks or right, month, but I think we're in the the lull before the... how
0: many Kickstarters are like back this week issue. <laughs> um, the The cool thing is, now I'm not going to talk too much about it because we do focus... Uh, quite heavily on 3D printed stuff on the channel but it is the end of the month which means the uh the patreons are going to be starting to brew up what's coming next i mean i haven't i've purposefully not done a punga review this month because i i wanted to wait for the whole slan team from punga and i know I, when i say the whole team i don't mean i'm going to wait three four months but when the part two comes out and then obviously they're going to do two months of like star players or something I'll do I'll do wait for the second month. Torchlight coming out with a corn team. Have you had a chance to look at any of the previews of that trips? I've seen the
1: previews. They're looking looking pretty good. So, uh, be interested to see what the whole team looks like.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are those are kind of the two things that keep me seriously going. Them and Artisan Guilds. Uh I love their stuff because they've got modular hands. So, no matter what they release, I will be able to fit it into Blood Bar. I think last month was some undead dudes. So when it comes around to me needing some skeletons or zombies or, or whites or something, um, they're good to go. Why are people from work? Talk- it's 20 past eight, Jason. Honestly, all right, well, I'm going to ignore that and not worry too much about it. Anyway, so uh, yes, nothing huge from a news point of view. And I think there's just, we need to go on to our, our BAU stuff then. So first of all, we just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who downloads the episode, who listens, who watches on YouTube. Hi, thank you very much. Uh, if you like, if you subscribe, it's really useful for us. Um, and it's really, really useful to be supportive um, via Patreon, so a massive thank you to all of our patrons. We've got some new patrons again this fortnight: uh, Lars Brundum, Jason Brake, Rupert McLeod, uh, Lorenzo kimarossa uh, Mike Liatsal, Sergio Diaz Sierra, Charles, Mortain, Morton. I'm sorry, Aaron P. Porter, Sean Carey, Derek Austin, Christopher Hassel, and Bonehead Bowl winner De- uh, Ben Davy, which is quite cool. So, a massive thank you to everyone who supports us on there. It helps us do everything we do, and it always helps us with our tournaments as well. And we've got a tournament coming up seven weeks, seven, seven weeks, six weeks, Saturday, maybe. Yeah, because Tiff is counting down to a holiday because I will be in Italy and you trips and BT will be running the South Coast Summer Blood Bowl tournament um which is available tickets are available now on employment they're 17 pound 50 it is three rounds of blood bowl 11s normal teams uh skills five primary for tier one four primary for tier two with four with two secondary and then five primary uh and two secondary for tier three i think yep. Yep. um star players are allowed wizards aren't but giants are so if you want to go and uh challenge some great blood bowl coaches i think we've got 40 tickets or something sold already trips and i yeah,
1: think yeah we're we're uh, racing through so we're uh we're already up for a really good day already
0: yeah uh, that's so cool i'm so gutted i can't be there for that but uh old pete uh, in Toyment had to just sort of surprise us and be like hey we're doing a really big tournament weekend again can you guys do something and uh, luckily you and ben were like yes we can we can help out um and do it all so i started working on the loot today for that trips i haven't ordered it yet but i'll get it finished over the weekend and i'll order the trophies as well so that will arrive in the next couple of weeks So we can get pictures up for that um so yeah really really cool stuff so south coast grand series that's the 9th of july and then um girl emma who came along to dorset dungeon bowl is running a tournament in taunton somerset a couple of weeks later on saturday july 23rd it is a three round 11s game 11s tournament um so yeah saturday july 23rd at excalibur gaming the tournament is called excalibur blood bowl summer sword i will put the link below to the rules pack it is a NAF registered event as well tickets are 12 pounds um they want your rosters in a week before which i think is bang on scoring looks very similar to ours Uh, Although they've got uh, the perfect defense gives three points, not just one, which I think I like. And I think we'll steal trips. I think that's uh, I like that. The rules pack's really well done. It's it's more concise than ours. And they've put the uh, the list of star players and the costs in the back, which I think is incredibly useful.
1: Saves any... um issues
0: with those reading the uh, old rules or the not reading the updated versions exactly um skills wise tier one teams find primary tier two teams four primary two secondary but they've juiced it up a bit for tier three teams three primary and four secondary so i feel like we're a bit stingy when it comes to tier three teams but uh i like this i'm in a bit of a goblin zone at the moment trips because i think bomber is is oh yeah i want to say underrated i think he's appropriately rated on high uh and if i am available i kind of hope it's only two hours for me to this place so i'm hoping if i can uh, get my schedule all sorted i might be able to actually go down and play it and take take the new goblin team from torchlight which i'm warming up ready for our next bonehead championship so that's looking pretty good
1: yeah a lovely, lovely place um a uh, good little uh store been there a couple of times so uh fully recommend it
0: that's cool i suppose it's only about an hour and a bit from you trips yeah, about an hour and a half yeah, yeah that's good i need to yeah but it's two hours 15 uh i had a look earlier and i was like well, that's pretty reasonable there was one other bit of news that we didn't talk about that is actually quite quite worth talking about Blood Bowl three beta is back. What is this, is this round three trips?
1: I think this is the yeah the third version of it. The first one was sort of everywhere. Second one was um, closed beta. Yeah. Um. So this is the third one, and it's it's linked to Warhammer Skulls. So uh, oh. a week of us all trying to work out if we've uh, gained any DLC for free.
0: <laughs> so um, in five days, sixteen hours and thirty four minutes from the point that we are recording. Uh, which is next Wednesday, I guess. Uh, the 1st, yeah, available from the 1st to the 12th of June. They are doing another beta, another open beta. Now, I did the first one. I've got Product Key. I had a look at the first one, and it was it was, uh, it was was very beta. It, it, it needed a lot of work, and I know we talked about it on the podcast. I didn't bother with the re-up. But this one I'm going to delve into because, Trips, they've added some more teams, haven't they? Well, they've added some more factions. <laughs> yeah, the news release did call them factions. Um, so the, the, basically the burst was they're going to have dwarves, elves, nobility, black orcs, and then... What was it they said two teams that previously you could never play and you've never been able to play in a blood bowl yeah. video game before and those teams trips were uh renegades and oh i can't remember the other one for love nor money but you love it, it it's your team that's why i oh, shipped the, it over
1: to you oh the the ow uh can't hit hit anybody a. Eh?
0: yeah bless them um i like this we we had a little bit of a chat about it in our group chat earlier uh milton was like it's going to be these teams and immediately i think saxby was like they're the same sprites and it makes a lot of sense that they would include these two teams because they are they, they've got the assets already but i for one am apps even if you've got to assume that the beaters come along a long way from from the last time And I just, I'm so excited to be able to cram in a bunch of Renegades games because I love Pact, but the best way to farm games for Pact is on Fumble and it is quicker than Tabletop, but it's not massive. Like Blood Bowl 2, you can crack out a game in 45 minutes, right? An hour. Yeah. Fumble is an hour and a half, an hour 45, and Tabletop is about two hours. So it's kind of, it's not really a huge amount of difference between, you know matching games on fumble and blood bowl 2 but bb3 here i know it's i don't know if they're gonna have pvp actually do you remember if they had pvp on the last part
1: Uh, I think it was there, but I'm not sure a lot of people
0: could get into it if I remember correctly. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, maybe they'll have decent PvP. If not, I will just absolutely spam games with Renegades to try and pull off some nonsense. So that's going to be really good fun. And it's the double bank holiday next week as well, isn't it? So this is landing on the Wednesday and the Thursday and the Friday. It's bank holidays. Um, I was planning on working through my project, but I may just be playing Blood Bowl 3 now so <laughs> i was gonna say
1: a cu- couple of evenings of spamming uh, uh renegades games uh, a few random skill ups and yeah mutations all over the place
0: i think it'd be really good fun i think it'll be really good fun um i i mean there was, was the game was supposed to release like was it last year
1: was it early this year Are we in? i think it was originally august and then february and it's still saying this year release date
0: 2022 huh all right well we're almost halfway through 2022, so if this is another beta, hopefully it's good and we can get a good angle on it. And because I'm really excited for this, I mean, I don't know about you, trips, but I've kind of completely stopped Blood Bowl 2 now because oh yeah, it's,
1: it's it's all it's another rule set for me, and I can't go back to it. So yeah. I think it's desperately needed. It, but it needs to be right because if it's an absolute car crash, then.
0: it's not going to
1: work very
0: well yeah it needs to be right i think you're right the problem is i you well you guys know how i play i play fast and loose uh, unnecessarily but in the old edition with the old throwing rules that was really easy to do so if i'm running a skaven team with a thrower and four gutter runners well i've got five throwers so uh you know i will start i will start going back into my old dirty skaven air (laughs) raids tactics and and that's bad for blood bowl 2020 because gutter runners don't throw like that anymore so it's not a good idea no bad lessons bad lessons um but no good point trips uh before we do move on i guess we should check the show notes to see if i did skip anything else which no, i didn't that's, that's everything all right good stuff right now hobby and bits Okay, so hobby, games, purchases, and printing is kind of how the hobby section works. Now, we were kind of hoping to have Ben on here because he's been going on a bit of a a very kind of Tim the Toolman Man tailor. Oh,
1: he, I think we we should be calling him <laughs> Lumberjack Ben from now on.
0: <laughs> Which I'm a huge fan of. Um, Yeah, he's been doing some great work. But I mean, hobby-wise trips, you were building stuff as we started recording tonight. So I take it you've got a reasonable list of things to talk about
1: yeah so uh, th- i had a b- bit of a, a necromunda kick the, i got the new ash wastes wastes bo- um box I had it at, at uh, the tournament sitting there all, all day for everyone to get that lovely fresh spruce smell and boy are there a lot of sprues in it so it was i wanted massive. to get all of my oh yeah so I, I i wanted to get all of the terrain i've got because i've got pr- quite a lot of necromunda terrain um, but needed a decent board to put it on. So, uh, so task number one was build a build a little game board last weekend so I could get a four by four uh, mat out and set my train out, which was that was a pretty good start. And quickly realised I can play Necromunda with nobody being able to step anywhere because I've got enough train to fill <laughs> double height.
0: <laughs> that is what's so good about Necromunda
1: um uh, and, and so they're, they then then on to to building the ash waste terrain which is it's really detailed it's it's like it's like everything you've ever wanted to see from dune or tatooine in star wars um, so proper desert uh terrain and, and walkways you get the whole gangs in there as well don't you Their terrain
0: is and super you- cool
1: oh the train is super super great and actually uh, a couple of spray cans to it uh, and make it look really rusty it 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 doesn't need much touching up and dry brushing after that um and then i want the 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 gangs themselves so I'll uh, see if that comes up on the camera we can uh this is the the vehicle so these are the uh, giant insects for the nomads to wander around on and oh, they're lovely they... even better they're not fiddly to build
0: that i'm quite surprised at. i'm looking at them on the screen now and because I, I look at the ashwaites box set and those bugs are really 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 cool but they do well they don't i guess they, do, they look well designed actually you kind of look at them and think oh they're going to be spindly garbage um but they are pretty cool
1: yeah they're just a well, one page of instructions i was pleasantly surprised and the lo- most fiddly bit was putting the rider together oh
0: that's cool well i've got a box of those riders uh, so I hope they're not too fiddling have you built the standard infantry yet I haven't built them yet they're sitting next to me looking at me going
1: uh, you should be not doing so much work and doing more hobby
0: <laughs> I like it so uh I picked up a box of those guys as a reward for myself so the last year well last six months I've kind of had like different projects going on and kind of bounced from one project to another project uh, and I have finally secured a permanent job. In one of the projects, although I will be seconded back to being on the other project immediately. Anyway, it, the, the important thing is I landed my job, I had another interview and got it, and I finally landed a permanent role. So, I'm over the moon about that because I've been interviewing every sort of six to to eight weeks. Before. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Every every time
1: uh, we think you've got over it, you're uh, re-interviewing again. Yeah, it's, it's, like
0: cr- a, it's cr- Monday morning. It's Ben interviewing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it feels like every time we've been to a tournament, uh, I've had an interview the week, the day, like because we did it yeah. for Beachhead. Had the had the interview like literally the the following Monday or Tuesday, and then we had uh, you know, we had the Dungeonball tournament. And I had the interview on on like the Monday or maybe the week after, actually. I think it might have been the week after. But finally secured. So I have now got a permanent position doing what I was doing, uh, which means I don't have to do any of that nonsense anymore. So I now have. I'm so I was so happy about it. I finished and I was driving back from where were we that day? We were here, We were at Odney and um, I was driving back to Southampton where we live and i was like ah uh, tiff's working late night because it was a thursday so i swung in two games workshop uh on the way home and had a, about a half an hour chat with the store manager rod if any of you've ever shopped at games workshop southampton the dudes worked there for 28 years um you will know rod uh, he's got a mighty beard oh hey, you've trimmed your beard actually Tribs. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well rod rod now beats you in the beard game um and uh i sort of was just looking around the shop i was like i want to buy something cool i want to buy something for special specialist games i was like maybe they'll have blood they've got a ton of blood bowl in the games workshop southampton now super impressed with that oh that's great uh, i was actually going to pick up some enforcers for necromunda because i was like that'd be cool that'd be cool or, or a Warcry team they didn't have them but they did have a box of the uh, i don't know what they're actually called but the sand people
1: they're the nomads. Um, nomad. Oh, I should know, i I got the uh, uh, the Ashwes's Nomads
0: War Party. There you go, the Sand People. So I picked up a box. I picked up a box of those just as like, right, this is going to be my my little celebration. Uh, I picked up a box of them, and uh, they are sitting on the side. And I was like, no, I need to focus. I need to build my Goblin team. So I have put together one of the teams for the next Bonehead Championship, which will be. The torchlight goblin team so i've printed all that got two goblin star players from forge world undercoated them then kind of did the base coat which is very similar to the prime and then i painted all of the skin while binging series two of picard although i've still got one more episode to go um so yeah i've had a pretty good hobby week i've I've primed i've built i've printed built and primed an entire team and i've nearly finished watching picard so Excellent. I'm going to call that a win, capla, if you will. What else is on the list, drips? Uh,
1: so I think that I think that's it for hobby for me. Yeah, she's been mainly Necromunda terrain and 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 uh, into the gangs and detail. I did have a a lovely game at club last week. I played with the Norse again. Um, and I was playing Ian's Ogres. He started um, smashing out a, a lovely Ogre team. They went from uh, being on a sprue to being be- better painted than everybody else's miniatures <laughs> in about three days.
0: That is how Mr
1: Warhanam does it. Yeah, and um, yeah, really interesting game, Ogres with Norse. It was definitely one of those where the dice were teaching both coaches the uh, at which point you decide which role you're going to fail and how much it will hurt. Um, uh, he won one nil. Scored in, I think, turned fifteen. And admittedly, I I had a great defensive game. It could have been a lot, lot more. Uh, his goblins, yeah, really ran around with the ball. Uh, and goblin cages were surprisingly difficult to get through.
0: Noblas, noblas are underrated. Yeah. Um, I love them to bits. Are absolutely excellent ogre team is a really solid team it can fall apart quite quickly ogres and you've got well, nothing I... good to to fall back on like every other team has got a solid good player right so for norse you've got the valks you know humans you got the blitzers skaven you've got the entire team but like with 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 ogres there's no like i've got one or two good players it's just a case of i have a mixture of high-strength and low-strength trash and I need to make it work. And sometimes it just works because you do have a mixture of high and low-strength trash. Ogres are amazing. Um, Now... They're
1: amazing when they play. I think the first four turns, I think we rapidly worked out that the uh, bonehead sound from Fumble (laughs) was great fun to do once (laughs) or twice. But uh, I think by about the sixth or seventh turn, at uh, time in the first three three uh, turns, I was getting that look of uh, "Stop now, stop yeah. now, this isn't fun <laughs> at all." We're running out of Bonehead tokens at one point. <laughs>
0: uh, what do you got? So Ian was running the four four build, I think. Four so, four, yeah, yeah. So eight turns, four ogres, rolling Bonehead every single time. Uh Yeah, you, you're going to fail. What eight Boneheads? Yeah, I think something I like think
1: that. Ne- neither half. Uh, re-rolls made it to turn three
0: <laughs> and he was thinking about running five ogres and two re-rolls yeah. so um that's a false economy doing it that way it's slightly more fun because you get that ogre but if you're running league it will take you uh 140k to get to five ogres and four re-rolls from a 4-4 build it will take you 280k to get to five ogres and four re-rolls with the 5-2 build so four four is significantly better, and you should have enough to induce maybe writers rookies.
1: I think for league, definitely, yeah, we'd have writers rookies. So it was, it's, it's a good solid base. I think you, I think the biggest thing that he, he took out of it was really, sometimes it, it is just best to leave them where they are, and uh, at least you know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah. With with ogres with big play, I tell you what, that is probably one underrated trick of Blood Bowl is knowing when not to do stuff. Yeah, um, there's a lot of teams out there that really benefit from that, and that is something that we will be talking about very shortly when we talk about choosing your team. Um, but yeah, hobby wise, I've got my ash waste dudes to build. That means you and I can sneak in a necro game at some point, which would be cool. Uh, and been painting some Blood Bowl and still printing. Uh the big project, which is sweet my my resin reserve turned up today, so I think I think I am four prints away from having everything printed It's like a twenty something print job, and it means I can spend all weekend tiff's working, which is rubbish, but it does mean I won't get in trouble for having the entire lounge covered with bits of sprue and uh and big hobby projects so that's that's pretty cool too, so yeah, that's some. Um, i think that's about it trips anything more yeah nothing else i think we're
1: uh yeah in that nice nice space at the moment where everyone's busy doing hobby and uh not panicking because there's a tournament two weeks away
0: <laughs> yeah it's six weeks away south coast series right let's move on to the first topic Welcome back. Okay, so the first topic we're going to talk about today is is choosing your team in Blood Bowl. Now, we've got 28 teams in Blood Bowl, I think. 29 teams in Blood Bowl. Yep. Um, I went through and checked the list out earlier and I missed a team out and I, I had a little bit of a meltdown. because I was like, I'm so confused. I don't understand. I'd missed out Necromantic. Sorry, Necromantic players out there. Uh, I'd missed them off. So there's 28 official teams. Plus there is Slan. It went up to 30, but then Demons of corn got got bretonian yeah uh two soon yep they 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 got yeah they got thanos snapped into the history of blood bowl so we've got 28 official teams from games workshop including the now five teams of legend and the one team that is slan so that is an absolute ton of different teams so if you're starting with blood bowl how do you choose your team and we kind of talked about this in in uh on you know, amongst ourselves. And it was kind of, I think the first trips, when I said we're going to talk through choosing a team, did you immediately think for league or for tournament?
1: I think that was the first thing. It was, it
0: was for what? Yeah, it's really cool because actually if you're going to a competitive event, there's a lot to consider about what team you're going to take. And this is one of the things I really love about going to a Blood Bowl tournament or running a Blood Bowl tournament is right. Here's the rule set. What's going to be great for that? Like, what can you what can you exploit? Um, what uh, can you
1: do? Yeah, what do you want to get out of the day?
0: Exactly. What you know? What little tricks can you do? But otherwise, you start in a league. What team do you take? Not only is there twenty nine teams, but there are sub builds within all those teams as well. Uh, so there's probably about thirty five to forty different teams that you can take. So we thought it would be worthwhile just kind of talking through what you think about what's worth considering and kind of how you get to the output so choosing your team step one of choosing your team is you cannot skip over this bit part one is favorites and appearance of the team now when we say this we mean if you have played blood bowl if you've got a very serious favoritism towards something and you really have to start there. And 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 what I mean for that, I mean, trips, you've been in that war gaming long enough to know. There are some people out there that love playing Orcs, right? They love oh, playing yeah. Orcs in 40k, in Warhammer, in Fantasy, in Lord of the Rings. And when it comes to Blood Bowl, they're going to be like, oh, cool, there's an Orc team. I'll play Orcs. Or, you know, in my case, uh, I'm a big Skaven coach.
1: Yeah.
0: Occasionally, you've played a Skaven team. <laughs> <laughs> More occasionally, I've played other teams just like Skaven, that even though they aren't, including Orcs, uh, including Dwarves, Which um, worked out better than expected, to be honest with you. So, favourites and appearance. This is really like, you come into it with preconceived ideas that's going to be enough for you to play, I think. And that that kind of, I mean, trips, we've seen this a load in tournaments as well. Is Oh, yeah. That includes theme.
1: So I think it's theme uh, as well, but I think uh, there's a there's a lot of players and, and you and I are probably bad examples of <laughs> coaches that are uh, definitely of the, what's the next team I haven't played as opposed to the, the what's my favourite team. But there are some coaches who they will play one or two teams. They love their teams. They spend a lot of time and effort on them and they're their thing and they know them really well. and And you know you're in for a hard time. And I think that's great when people, they know the team inside and out.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's, that's bang on. There's there's a coach who comes to almost every one of our tournaments. He may have come to every one of our tournaments. Gerga, Dan Maskell, plays Dark Elves every single time. Was one point short of winning, I think, Bomvember, um with Dark Elves because he's just like, I love Dark Elves and I want to play them until I get really good at them. Um, and then, lo and behold, came to Dungeon Bowl with the college of beasts which i was blown away at. i saw his roster come in like, and i was like oh yeah this is going to be dark elves and it was not and i was like this is amazing this is incredible personal growth but when you have a thing that you love either because you've painted it beautifully or you always run it or it's a comfort team or your joe solo and you've gone you know what would make a great team i'm gonna what, what team could i make be residents of a care home and then you know cosplay it or whatever it, it, it's it's really cool and that's kind of this first step is there will be times where you want to run a team because it's released and you love the look of it because you've converted it because there's a theme and when it comes to that it doesn't matter what the rule set is what the length of the league is or how the team plays if you've already decided that you want to run your uh <sighs> your bunny team then you're going to figure out what team you want to run it as using those models i I mean i think that's that's probably the most important point to start is if you've got one team if you've got one thing you love start there but then trips will move on to probably the most important piece which is play style and this is where i think the majority of this conversation is going to sit around because there are 28 teams, 29 teams in Blood Bowl, and what we've done is we've kind of grouped them together into playstyles. So we've got Bash, we've got Control, we've got mid range, we've got Dash, and we've got Special. So what we'll kind of do is break down what we mean by those playstyles. We'll talk through them kind of one by one, and if you're trying to brew up an idea for your next team, or whatever... Maybe one of them will twig. Or maybe you'll realize that actually you play this one type of team all of the time. And you're going to figure out why. Okay, so play styles. We've got Bash. Bash is all about murder. They are good at murder. They are good at attrition. But they are also resilient. This is the team that wants to, every turn, make as many blocks as possible. Their focus is on Deleting the opposition—that's their game plan. Their game plan is to be uh, Rocky Balboa, right? To just get punched and punch back, but win that attrition. The downside of bash teams is they normally have limited speed or agility. They might have average speed or agility, but really nothing better. They—they're they're not going to have gutter runners. They may not have a great throwing game. Their strength is strength, armor resilience and an ability to hurt the heck out of you uh,
1: you're probably talking about a team that have got one or two uh positionals tops that can do anything with the ball all, and the rest are all uh strength skills are, are, are on a primary and uh you that's where you go in and that's your comfort zone
0: yeah uh, and there's a lot of these kind of teams in, in blood bowl and there's a lot of teams that fit in in kind of several different windows because it is just a it's a sliding scale essentially um so sorry trips are you going to say something
1: well i was going to say what an important thing about this is you can play any team in any way i think this is from our experience where most people would comfortably play the team without stretching it to its limitations so you're generally not going to see a halfling team played as a bash team but someone will have a go at it it's probably suboptimal uh, yeah
0: but someone will have a go <laughs> and and this is not to say that there won't be times where you will be the bash in a matchup and that there may not be times where you end up r- the result looks like you were the bash okay so halflings can sometimes murder face normally when they're running two trees and griff and they've got a dirty player halfling and and actually they go for the main deleting things every team can be right, every team can dash and every team can bash like i said earlier i play dwarves like skaven dwarves are one of the quintessential bash teams right but i still running around and scoring touchdowns and making everyone move six or eight so you can do that now as they kind as the playstyles kind of move on, there is what we kind of had this subset of a bash team in the control teams. So control is all about defense. Now, Trips, you and I just said about it. Like sometimes the key to Blood Bowl is not activating stuff, letting your opponents roll the bad dice. Control teams fit into that. When you're playing control, it's different than bash. Bash, you want to be aggressive, pushing through your opponent control teams you want to let your opponent fail trying to come through you so defense their strength is defense resilience counterplay taking away your opponent's strengths normally they have limited flexibility which means they are either offensively stunted or a bit resilient or a bit slow they are they tend to be a little bit subpar but if you play them well Your opponent just cannot get through. And I think the biggest, the biggest, the the biggest kind of identifiable team that I think is control is now Imperial Nobility.
1: Absolutely. They're they're a classic team where they, they will stop the opponent doing pretty much everything they want to do. And their most likely way of scoring is a great defensive play.
0: I absolutely love nobility and it they they're, they're great right they're movement six movement seven yeah. sometimes they've got some throwing game they've got reasonable agility but their greatest strength is you going right i'm going to put my stand firm guys here with that wrestle as well i've got my fend guys here so you're going to try and do your thing but okay mr corn team okay mr minotaur Uh, Rat Ogre, you're going to Frenzy, and it's a push-push, and I've got Fend, and that is it. Your Rat Ogre is quelled by my retainer, and you've made no headway. You cannot break through because I've got these tackle zones. You can Blitz my Stand Firm Wrestle guy, but actually, I'm not going anywhere, and now my corpse is in the way. It's a really really fun way to play, but it's different from Bash, because Bash is punch-punch-punch, right? Get a punch gonna make a hole gonna run through it gonna drag your skull along with me control is very much like kung fu
1: yeah controls <laughs> control is
0: it is so
1: much about positional play and uh, control goes wrong you when you get your positional play wrong and you leave that hole for someone to go through or you leave the player to get bashed out but when you see a, a control team played by someone who just positions everyone in the right right way you can often be on the
0: other side and just go i don't know what to do because
1: <laughs> everything is bad
0: <laughs> yeah and and that's it i think of all of these control is the one that supports good play the most um and then it kind of filters into mid range so at, there's two ends there's there's bash which is about causing casualties and not being casualtyed and then there's dash which is about scoring touchdowns and trying not to die and in the middle of that box is mid-range teams that can be both that are probably, I think the best way to describe a mid-range team is flexible enough to be able to choose the right way to play on the day. So, yeah, a human they, team. are probably
1: playing the, the right style against the opponents. They probably flex for yeah. the opponents, but um, they'll never bash a bash team. But that's not what you're trying to do with them.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. They've got enough of everything to be able to choose the way choose the right way to win. They've got all the toolkit at the disposable, human, quintessential mid-range team. They've got four, <laughs> most of the time, four mighty blowguard blitzers and, uh, and an ogre. That's your bash. That's that's going to outbash a lot of the lighter teams. Uh, But they've also probably got maybe one or two Movement 8 guys with a passing player, with passing 2+, and they've got those very same Blitzers, who by this point are Movement 7 blockers. So they've got enough to be able to... They're going to outrun Dwarves, and they're going to outpunch Elves every single time and they get to choose and if they fit in that gap of right who am i what is my role in this game am i going to be am i going to line up and win this fight or am i going to need to step back and run around this fight and those mid-range teams they've got to be flexible they've got to have decent speed and decent agility enough to be able to go in this matchup you've got mostly edge four movement six i've got mostly edge three movement six and seven i'm the dash in this one because you've got strength for everywhere but they are also not the best this is their vulnerability is like you said trips they are going to get outbashed by teams and they are going to get outdashed by others so kind of their their, their strength in being flexible is their biggest vulnerability because they are not the best at doing anything except trying to find a way to win um and i think when we go through the two teams that we kind of feel like fit in these pots the most there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of contentious stuff in there, but this is why we're kind of talking it through. So we've got Bash that is all about punching and creating holes. Sorry, Trips.
1: Well, I was gonna, and it's in mid-range teams. I think it's a safe place for a new starter, a mid-range team, because they've got that flexibility where you can figure out your play style by doing it. But I think the complication of a mid-range team as well is that to play them really well is really difficult because you're always a little underpowered in whatever style you want to play. You've got the ability to play different styles, but you're always one or two positionals who excel in that short.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely bang on the money. Then you've got the dash teams. These are the fastest the most agile teams they will be the ones that score the most touchdowns but they will also be the ones that suffer the most casualties in a tournament that doesn't matter quite so much in a league that matters a huge amount and this is what we'll talk about the difference between leagues and tournaments how you go and choose a team but i am a huge dash player i think i love it it's just so much fun to be able to to see the map of potential plays on the pitch and just go you know what I've got a 3-plus, 4-plus touchdown here. I've got two re-rolls. This is going to be fine. I'm going to pull this here, go this here, and create these these openings that didn't exist before. Get that touchdown, get that reset, and just... you're, You're fighting against the clock more than you're fighting against your opponent with the dash team because you can score as quick as you like, but you're going to give your opponent more time to bash you. They're fragile as anything. The majority of dash teams are fragile, and you are going to lose two to three players a game and that's your massive vulnerability because the more time you give your opponent and at this point when you've got a proper dash team there's not a lot of opportunity for you to be the the stronger team here very rarely even
1: even if you play another dash team you're not going to be taking off five players on the other side you're gonna both be chasing down players all over the pitch
0: (laughs) yeah and It's a really weird one because you could look at some teams and think "Hmm, that one's a little bit stronger, but it gets exacerbated. So Skaven are a great example of a dash team, but you chuck a a Rat Ogre on there. It hurts their ability to dash, but it also means that in a dash versus dash batch up, you've got a massive edge when it comes to bash. And this is the really kind of this is like the, the, the scale of it is every team has got a slightly bashier build or a slightly dashier build and you're kind of playing with that range because humans versus skaven humans are going to be bash humans with no ogre versus skaven with a rat ogre you you got more of a fair fight it's really interesting one but talking of interesting teams there's the last category that we've just put as special the majority of these teams are stunty they've got they're special because they've got special tactics if you're playing a, a, a card game this would be the combo decks right we talked about ogres today but if you think about goblins you think about snotlings you think about halflings it is a, if they if everything goes right they're monstrous and i think ogres are probably a great example of this if you don't bonehead you're going to win that game because that is yeah. 8 to 10 mighty blow block dice every single turn and you know that just means your bash is on form ogres are not a bash team because they're not consistent enough and goblins with an air game with a run game goblins are brilliant but only if they can pick up the ball and um we've also put uh, put vampires in this category because they are another team that is incredible when everything goes their way if they pass all the animal savagery then their team is amazing if ogres pass all bonehead they're amazing doesn't happen all the time if the trees in a halfling team never root they're great well oh, there's still a challenge okay so that kind of breaks down the different play styles of the teams in blood bowl let's actually have a look and see which teams we put in these pots so if you're thinking actually i really like the idea of a, a, a bash a bashed team so bash and trips i want you to shout out if anything here doesn't feel right to you so bash black orcs chaos chosen chaos dwarves which are a team of legend dwarf corn norse and orc Their primary goal is to hurt and then go through, okay? To go through your opponent's team using attrition.
1: I think I I agree with all of those. I think the the ones where you can probably adapt the style a little bit is is orcs. If you really want to use a thrower as a ball carrier and do something with you, then A, good luck to you. Um, But (laughs) you can definitely try and play them a different way. Um I, I, I imagine a few people will go, Corn and Norse could be control teams. Uh, but remember you're controlling by bashing. Yeah. So you are you are a bash bash team at heart there.
0: Yeah, hugely so. Now orcs are definitely one of those rosters where there is a sub-build of orcs, which is the fast orc roster, which I love, which is no black orcs, no troll, but blitzers and goblins and a thrower. Uh to and then you're right, it does become more of a mid-range team where actually you've got a fluid resource but you miss those black orcs generally speaking you come up against an orc team they're going to spend two-thirds of the game making profitable blocks because when the orcs have got 11 players and you've got eight they're going to be able to just push their way through and score that touchdown in their own time Uh, so a bash team is trying to control the game by having more players on the pitch Whereas the control teams are trying to control the game using all the pieces that are around anyway. So we've got Nobility, Nurgle, we put OWA in there and Tomb Kings for control teams. Now, these are the teams that are going to play winning by playing good positioning and allowing the opponent to kind of break upon your formation. So this is kind of shield wall tactic.
1: Absolutely, and I think... I think nobility and Nurgle, I mean Nurgle can't do anything but control. They <laughs> literally can't be in any other category. Um and Tomb Kings are of they are they are the ultimate positional team. I think Tomb Kings, you, you play them well, they're really difficult to play against, but you play them uh play them a bit loose and and yeah they fall apart quite quickly yeah C- control w a desperately want to be a bash team but with the the skill yeah. tweaks that they've got they uh they, it... they are not
0: <laughs> it's control is essentially defensive bash i think is the best way of putting it so this team can win by making your opponent make mistakes and just giving no quarter so now don't get me wrong a well-developed Nurgle team can be really bashy and a well-developed nobility team can be reasonably dashy. We're not saying that there has to be one type, but when you're starting 1,000,000, 1,100 TV with a few skills, they're, you know these teams want to win by positioning well and making your opponent fail. You called it out when we talked about nobility. Nobility are great at just allowing your opponent to turn over the ball or to leave a gap and just punch in with wrestle with a bit of stand firm with the blitzers and i did it we we had our our wobble league didn't we and um yeah we we had the nobility team and i had a great time with them that's a lot of success because you just let your you just position and go you know what try and get through this i've got stand firm i've got fend you're going to be making bad dodges try and break through and at some point they have to try it and it'll either work or it will not and these teams can capitalize on that really interesting they are all kind of kind of wince when you hear about playing them nobility not so much because they're kind of the fastest of this team but if somebody if you you know, say what, what team are you running you say tomb kings old world alliance or nurgle and and they're all you a well-versed blood ball coach is going to go oh really
1: like, yeah. Ooh. and they're all teams that at a million are difficult to play against but if you're playing at 1.1 1.2 or with skills they can be frightening teams to play against because you just know you're in trouble from seven or eight different players on
0: a consistent basis <laughs> it's very fair um now teams that fit within the mid-range category think we've got amazons dark elves human lizardman necromantic chaos renegades and undead these are all teams that can outbash the opponent but can also switch to be dash if they need to and do so quite well. Um, Amazon's a really interesting one. They are t- they are basically a bash team, but as far as they go, they won't out-bash most of the bash teams there. And even though a 3-plus dodge is never great, but a 3-plus plus dodge gives you that opportunity. If you need to bootleg it, if you need to be able to get out and reform your lines to play a screen, to play a skirmish... Mid Amazons have got that advantage. They are technically better at dodging away than Dark Elves are. And Dark Elves are the masters of the screen. Okay. They strike where they want to, and then they can fall back, and they've got that dodge and speed to be able to go and score. Human, we talked about they can outstrength you they can outspeed you, but they are not the top of either of those charts. Lizards have got two really individual contingents of Great Dash and Great Bash together. They don't work like in concert. They are both bash and dash at the same point, which means that actually yeah. they've got that flex. Like they can be considered a dash team because they've got yeah. movement eight guys, but they've also got and, six strength four guys.
1: Yeah, and their bash isn't painfully slow either. It's flexible enough that it gives you the ability to uh, to to really mess mess up your opponent.
0: It's it's interesting to see how different a lizardman team is from a black orc team. Um, they, you know lizardman versus black orc, they will go and be dash, and they will do a yeah. great job of it. And that's why black orcs sit in that bash category is because they even though they've got the flexibility with movement six dodge three plus plus goblins, they they will win that by using six black orcs, maybe a troll and brawler grab brawler grab brawler grab grind the opponent down because their dash does not have that breakout ability that this that the lizards do whereas the lizards could be like right two die block two die block movement eight three plus plus touchdown uh which means lizards are incredibly dangerous and you know ugh, lizards they are my nemesis against Skaven. I lost in the final to them against Lewis in the, in the league. <laughs> and uh, Lizards. Uh, I think Lizards trump Skaven because they are stronger and almost as fast. Um, we've got uh, Necromantic in there as well. Now, Necro are resilient. They've got very good, I want to say, blitzers and runners because they do. The werewolves are amazing. Um, the whites are pretty good. They've got ghouls who can be pretty dashy. They've got flesh golems who can be pretty strong. Um, you know, this team has got the ability to out bash opponents, but has also got movement eight guys and movement seven guys with dodge, so they've got that flexibility. If you know you you put that necro team up against a heavier team, it's it, it, I think they're probably a really good example of that mid range vulnerability. Whereas necro yeah. can outrun a team but they've only got three or four players to do it. Lizardmen can outrun a team, but they've normally only got about four skinks. You delete those four skinks, they're tough. Necromantic, yeah, you, you take those ghouls out. Again, same spot.
1: Yeah, you can force one of these teams to play in a certain way if you can catch the right players and squish them.
0: <laughs> yes, this is why tackle is a very, very good skill. Um, and then the last two teams kind of fit in the same category. Undead, historically... Really good when it comes to the bash front, but actually, they've got enough flexibility with the ghouls and the whites to be able to actually bootleg really quickly. Um, they're basically almost as fast as a human team, so they are more bashy than mid range. Uh, They're more bash than dash compared to humans, but they are also they've just this is why undead are so good is because they're they're similar, like to the lizards they've got that strength they've got that resilience yeah. and they've got that they've still got that breakout ability of three or four ghouls probably and a couple of whites which means the majority of the team is movement six or seven with edge three plus and yeah. at that point you've got that flexibility
1: yeah you're not you, you can play undead without having to grind your opponent into the ground but you can grind your yeah. opponent into the
0: ground <laughs> yeah it kind of the thing is with undead it kind of see it, it all depends on what your opening a few turns are if Because you're opening a few turns, you're going to have a couple of really solid mummy blocks and a couple of really solid white blocks. And if you can get one or two pieces of removal, Undead, if they get the numbers advantage, then they switch to Bash and they can cream through. But they've got enough speed there to be able to break through in two turns if they need to score a touchdown without a huge amount of difficulty. Now, the, the difficult one here was Chaos Renegades. So we did put them in mid-range um there was a bit of a chat about this because you know someone was like what's the normal build where it's three big guys and they're like well you're telling me three big guys is not a bash play style and while i think there is definitely the you know you could definitely say that three big guys is a bash play style this is not where that the team does not have the resilience to rely on that attrition like they they, i tell you what maybe chaos renegades should have been put in the special category where if everything goes right the team's going to cream through
1: so i i think that i think they fit well in mid-range and i think the the thing about all of the teams in there is you look at them and particularly your dark elf human uh maybe your necromantic team but you you renegades and you're undead you can develop that team to be any of the other types of team through the right skill ups the right um positionals and uh, a little bit of luck um in keeping the right players alive so i think that's where they every, they sit in that mid range area really well is that you can develop them into the way you want to or keep them very much as a generalist team
0: yeah i think that's fair they they don't have a set play style their set play style Bits in that category of being flexible it's just like with humans and undead they kind of get to choose like in this game which am i going to be uh what can i play to my strengths with 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 chaos renegades it's not it's less playing to your strengths and more playing to your opponent's weaknesses it's okay i'm stronger than you therefore i've got the advantage here uh you know uh, but i mean it's an awesome team and i cannot wait to run them on blood bowl three i'm gonna go rat ogre ogre and minotaur and i'm just gonna just be as bash as i can
1: but it's going to go all very well until you have that game where it goes all very, very badly. Yeah. But the yeah. advantage of Blood Bowl 3, is it'll be over in half an hour. Exactly. You can get another one going.
0: Rack it up. Um, okay, so Dash teams. We've got Elven Union, High Elves, Skaven, Underworld, Wood Elves, and Slan in this group here. Uh, and this group is all about using what strength you have to make an opening to run through it and if you've got time cage up near the end zone to kind of bleed a clock of a couple of turns at most the great thing all of these teams have got a huge stretch play advantage um and that is i think probably one of the defining qualities of a dash team is you can have the ball in your backfield and you can still score in one turn uh, whether you're it's
1: going to be running all over the place and uh, yeah you're going to be rolling the d6s not the the block dice yeah
0: yeah. And if you guys watch the channel, we've seen Skaven and Wood Elves are in the championship and, spoiler alert, top scoring teams because they just have that ability to go, hmm, actually, there is a way here and I've got movement eight ash two plus dudes. I've got movement nine ash two plus dudes. All I need to do is not roll a couple of ones and I'm going to be able to move 20 squares and score from my backfield to the end zone because there was a pocket, a gap high elves are more resilient they're the most resilient team in this category i think well slan are reasonably resilient too but they still they've still got more dash about them high elves than mid-range Whereas dark elves have got a stronger combat contingent high elves have a very limited combat contingent which means that they're either average fighty but mega flighty whereas dark elves can be both i think so yeah. high elves are a more armoured Elven Union team, they still play with the stretch goal. They still play. High Elves are kind of more screening game than Elven Union yeah. because they are technically a little bit slower. But it yeah. it, it, it it doesn't matter. You, you, you don't line up with a High Elf team very often on the line of scrimmage and go, I'm going to take a load of blocks here. Um, yeah. You're not going to
1: be looking to pitch clear win with any team in this category, but you could well end up with a with a three nil, three one, and be quite happy that you were down six or seven players left at the end.
0: Yeah, seven two is my record with uh, with a blah blah team. It's wood elves, wood elves against goblins. It was against Alex at club and couldn't believe it. Um, monstrous of scoring game, and it was a league game too, so uh this was back in the olden days there where the wall dancers ended up leveling a couple of times like randoms and so good um then we kind of got the special cases so goblins halflings ogres and snotlings first point of call they're all stunty teams they're all where your main focus is on getting away with stuff you shouldn't be getting away with um and inducements i think is probably the most important thing about those guys whether it's league or uh or tournament you're looking at that team, you look at any other team, basically from any other categories and you go, cool, I can build a solid team here. You look at any of these four stunty teams, you go, oh, that's a cool base, what am I adding?
1: Yeah, you're looking straight into the, I'm gonna learn which star players to use, which in inducements to use, and um, I'm gonna be fine with the fact that actually, I don't want other than a few players to skill up, anybody to skill up. <laughs>
0: yeah that's that's exactly right and that's why they sit in their own category they are insanely fun to play and what you see in blood bowl regularly is someone will start blood bowl they'll either have that favorite team that favorite theme or they'll go with a mid-range or bash team with a really or or a team with a really clear goal they'll go boom i want to play this team I, i got an idea how to win great 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 and then season two you know, league league season two, league season three. They're like, ah, oh, you know what? I want to do something diff. I want to do something different. And that's when the stunty team happens. Uh, and you see this a lot of tournaments as well. They're like, oh, normally a wood elf coach, but actually, I wanted to give ogres a go to be something different, to have that challenge, to run Griff.
1: I think everyone should play a team in this category. If you've played, got uh, probably more than two of the categories, you should play this one just for the fun of it, um, and it will be for the fun of it. It will probably be quite painful as well, but you should always... some You should, should go stunty for one, one t- tournament or one league.
0: And then there's the last team, which I've put in this category, is Vampires. And the reason they're special is they play unlike every other team. Okay, they've got no skills. They've got no positionals, they've just got vampires who are brilliant players when they behave themselves. So, a kind of they're kind of just it's it's such a different team to play. You have to kind of it's got less punishing in this edition. Um, they do the right stuff less essentially, but you're not going to completely destroy your own team like they used to. But it is still, you know, every one of these teams is great when the team behaves itself and i think vampires sits in that category of i'm playing against my team here if you've got a goblin team or a snottling team you've got trolls you are playing against the trolls on that team you're playing against bonehead when you're playing ogres you're playing against animal savagery when you're playing vampires and it's a great new challenge but you are you are going for an experience rather than a toolkit at that point that's a yeah. really interesting category. So those are the play styles, those are the teams you put in there. Is there anything, Trips, you think we got in the wrong box?
1: I, I don't think so. And I think it's interesting if you, you straight away you look at your own team preferences and detail and and I'm definitely in that control section as a as a play style coach and I pet I will play teams bash a bash team i will try and play control and a mid-range team i will try and play control that's that's my comfort zone as a play style i think
0: yeah i'm i'm with you i mean i play skaven and i play my Blackhawk team like my skaven team i play my dwarf team like my skaven team and sadly i try to play a norse team like a skaven team which is why i am no good with norse because i just can't bootleg with them the way i need to
1: Happy to play you playing Norse like a Skaven team.
0: Yeah, you have twice. But I yes. think I think Norse fit more bash control uh than bash mid-range. And I think that's yeah. that's a category I can't cope with um as a coach. That's my that's my gap. I can do crazy well, I think, stuff. I think I anytime
1: pull... you're playing a team that's outside of its sort of comfort category or the one next to it, you are in a case of going, if you roll really well, it will go okay if you roll average or bad that's gonna be you're gonna be going oh that wasn't the best move to make
0: yeah that's that's yeah that's like walking in the wind with an umbrella but you're leaning on the umbrella to hold you up uh if the wind goes different then you're going to fall over and uh you're also going to fall over if you roll twos instead of threes instead of uh, the other way around um uh go for it North spain so um That's kind of the breakdown of teams and how they play, so if you're Coming from Magic the Gathering, if you like saying no and allowing your opponent to try things and then you're stopping them, maybe control, maybe, 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 yeah, maybe bash. You know, if you like that mid range asban, uh, Abzan control, then actually a mid range team is going to be great for you. If you love combo, then stunty or dash is going to be the way. And if you love aggro, then actually dash is potentially the place you want to be, or just heavy bash and just be like, I am going to absolutely hammer you with my red green deck and it's just going to be punch 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 games over because you've got nothing left and there's so many different styles but trips called it like you can play any team anyway they just kind of have a way to play better
1: so you might be in that suboptimal build but sometimes that's the fun of blood bowl and and that's why there are so many teams and so many categories is that there isn't really an awesome meta that you know everyone's striving for the play there are 29 teams with loads of variants to play out there and half the fun is working out how many of them you can do
0: yep yep uh hmm, interesting the uh the chat about the the faq is uh uh it's very spicy anyway choosing your team league team thoughts trips what are you considering when you're picking a team for league
1: so i think when you're picking your team for league you're definitely uh having a bit more of a what's the long-term plan your long-term goal but also you're taking into account what the rest of the league is playing um and you see this with leagues that will end up being very bashy or very dashy that if, if you have a league with a lot of this, of certain style of play styles, taking something that is completely different to that could lead you to rapidly looking to restart your team two, three games in.
0: <laughs> that works both ways. If you've got a heavy bash meta and you take a dash team, you're probably going to get murdered. If you've got a heavy dash meta and you bring a dwarf team, um, you might be all right, but you are going to get unscored in about half your games. Um, you don't always know the meta for your league so i think the second thing you need to consider is um, league length uh, because certain teams perform better at different points of their life so a lot of the tier one teams and this is where the tiering comes in really handy is basically tier one teams they're good to go They're, they're they're great at a million build right Then you've got Tier 2 teams. They're great at 1,300. And then you've got Tier 3 teams that are never great. Uh, So you don't have to worry about that. But if you're you're looking at your league and going, it's a short league. I'm only going to get four to six games in. Then the Tier 1 teams are going to be dominant. Um, But if you're like, oh, we play this league and the teams never die... And we re-budget, we redraft every six months down to thirteen fifty, which means after six months I'm gonna be at thirteen fifty the same as everybody else. Well, then it doesn't massively matter what you want to choose. If you want to choose Nurgle, and by the time you redraft your team will be about as good as everybody else is. But the first season is gonna to be tough, and that's definitely where the tiering comes in. It's tier one, good to go out the gate. Tier two, you're gonna to have to go through a season to get it to be a proper team
1: and and I think a lot about league and and this is the way you play league as well it isn't it's not about what you want your team to be on day one it's what you want your team to be three four five games in depending on the length of league as you said and you've got to really think about that developmental route Or you can take the the Holy Random route, which is quite a popular league route (laughs) as well, which is great for uh, I'm playing this team and I will see what it will develop like.
0: That's what Milton's doing at the moment with his Chaos team in the Isle of Wight League. Um, He's like, I'm just going to chuck a bunch of randoms on. Now, if you want to get your head around what a team could look like at certain points in its life, we've got a video series for it, which is the Dream Team season. So if you're thinking, I want to play Undead, well, we've got a roster at 1250, at fifteen hundred and seventeen fifty at to be like, this is where your team will probably end up. This is what good looks like at that point. Um, season to your taste. But actually, if you're thinking, I have no idea how to develop this team, that those that video series is, is exactly for that. There's a case of, I'm joining a league. There's Nurgle, there's Dwarves, right? What are those teams going to look like at 1500? You're going to have a breakdown. It's, it's, it's a good way to
1: look at what other teams will look like as well to work out how you think you can... How survive you if you're a, particularly if you're built, joining an established league how what you're going to be up against sort of first two or three games
0: however in a tournament the first two or three games are all going to be the same because most tournaments are resurrection which means you have it, it's it's what i would call constructed blood bowl you pick your skills you pick exactly your star player you pick exactly what you're going to get now normally in a tournament all of that resource will be limited but you will have stuff league you start with a million build no skills most of the time tournament you start with 1.1 to 1.2 million and half a dozen skills now within that you can add star players as well so you kind of go in at that six to eight game point in a league and it can be really exciting because you can put together builds that realistically until Blood Bowl 3 lands and you've just got evenings to waste, you will never be able to build that team. I'm gonna give block to my troll. Well, in tabletop, if you play twice a month, that's gonna take about a year. So uh that's not fair. Probably that's six months. But still, that's six months. You wanna take a tournament? you go to a tournament you'd be like yeah i'm going to give both my trolls block Uh, i'm going to do this and i can see how they play so that's kind of the starting point of tournaments but this is what got really interesting when we kind of did our prep chat trips what what are your thoughts around choosing a team for a tournament
1: so i think tournament team choosing is a lot more based on there's a lot more whim in in it as well um i think uh, what's happened recently within Blood Bowl and, and come out um, in the run up to tournaments will definitely affect it. We've seen it from the tournaments we've run. Um, a new team, a few months after it's been released, will turn up spike. in a slightly yeah. higher number. <laughs> so you, you will see, yeah, tournaments for the next uh, two or three months, you're going to see more Norse, you're going to see more corn than uh, you, you would do average wise. And I think the other thing with tournaments is you'll see people take a build that that they've gone there with an aim to do. They will take the I'm going for the most fouls build, Adam. Oh, we'll the, 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 the
0: Adam Pike build, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, or you are the, the the I'm trying to pull off a certain play, or I'm going for the stunty cup, and that's why I've picked the stunty team. So I, I think. The theme of the team and what you're trying to get out of it will be a big thing as well as the I've got a new team in a box and I know that taking it to a tournament will force me to paint it on the Friday of the <laughs> evening before.
0: Yeah, that's massive. Tournaments are a, a great way for you to try out a team. And every time we run an event, we run it with a view of setting the limit and the skills to be what would be reasonable for you at month four of your team. So if you want to try out a nobility team, you bring it to the tournament, you play for three games, you've already got some skills, you really enjoyed it, but you know what you're aiming for. You'd be like, right, actually, I do need to get these blitzers dodged because they're really good at that point. You learn about your team's future and you can quite frankly take it to a tournament and go, oh, I did not really enjoy this build. I don't think this is the right team for me. Or you bring the new hotness or this is something we haven't talked about, but reading the meta based on the rule set can be so much fun you know and this is what we see with different normally normally um tournaments will use tiering some of them don't so you kind of look at the roster build and you go oh actually like we looked at the excalibur tournament tier three teams get seven skills four of them are doubles four of them are secondaries so you can go "Hmm, i can take ogres five ogres that's four lots of block And I put leader on the other ogre so I can get the extra team value in there. So that's going to save me a 70k from a reroll because I've put my fifth skill, which is a leader skill. Um, So I've then got 170 off a million build. So I don't have to worry about that. And then I can maybe take do this or take this. And you've got that, that, that building element. And that can also be massively influenced by the rules of the tournament. Like what tiering is good what the special rules for the event are oh, we ran beachhead a couple of years ago where you got an extra big guy if you could pay for it and it's a case of oh actually because of that i want to take this team which is what wayne did and ended up winning because he was like right i'm going to take renegades have four big guys and just see if i can use them and, and put it together and and that's that's kind of it with the tournament is you you you, you read the rule pack and everything we've talked about applies if you love a team because you love the way it plays if you love that way it looks if you want to paint up a new team it's a great way to kind of delve in um and yeah you, you it's the biggest opportunity for you to get don't even think of it as a tournament don't think of it as a competition think of it as a game day where you're getting together with a bunch of people and playing three games of blood bowl what do you want to get out of it have fun. Learn about my team. Try something stupid. Do what Gary does. All of our tournaments. He's like, right, my goal for this tournament is to, I'm going to take scroll and a ghoul with catch. And that is my goal, is to hoon it down the pitch with scroll and score a touchdown and pull off the scroll combo. And it was great because people were cheering for him to do it because it's just so cool. Oh, it's so cool. And, and the, you'll, you'll
1: see that it's a great way to test the team. If, you, if you've if you got a new team and you want to, to work out um how they play play three or four games in a day and you'll rapidly learn uh so much about them and then you could take them into the league i think the other thing with tournaments as well is particularly because of the builds is the star players yeah you'll often see coaches start with i want to play this star yes how and which teams can i get them into and it used to be a tighter with the limited number but we're getting to the stage now where you can pick a star and then you've still got three or four teams you can pick from um and, and then a few different builds within yeah, those.
0: i was gonna say that's a, that's three or four teams that you can get a good build out of not just like three or four teams that can take them it's three or yeah. four teams that have got a, a, a good roster like we are beachhead couple of years ago trips was quite a low TV tournament, wasn't it? Eleven hundred? And you yeah, still managed TV. to get Griff in there. And
1: and it was very much I started with I want to take Griff. Now how do I do it? Well as it turned out you took Griff and no re-rolls. a whole team of Lyman's <laughs> and no re rolls and you pray all day that your Griff does it the Griff things.
0: That was a great match. That was a that was a shootout. That was a good one that was a that was a very good game
1: but yeah that cracking game of uh (sighs) yeah a a, a dash team playing a dash player with lots of human linemen going yeah yeah, (laughs) off he goes yeah
0: griff was just running around being a demigod as he often is um now i think that's everything on the list for talking through choosing a team trips was there anything you wanted to add on this one
1: so I think third party, what that's come out with, will influence it as well. I mean, Spikes will definitely influence it um, and, and what people are playing. Um, but I think the best thing is that you, you can choose any team and have any justification and it will be absolutely fine. Um, and the best thing is you just take the team you want to take. And uh, I think we've seen the most fun with people when they have taken a team for a reason either to learn with them or they, they want to really have a crack at winning, as we said, or, or they are trying something or they are yeah. trying trying to, to, to do something that really is probably not going to be that possible, <laughs> but give it a go anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, rule one, favourites and appearance. Play the team you want to play because you want to play it. The good thing about Blood Bowl is there's always a way to win. doesn't matter what team you're playing. And certainly after turn three, it can feel very different. But on any given Sunday, as they say, any given Blood Bowl day, any team can win. And it's just the best thing about the game. Anyway, we are going to take a quick break and then it's FAQ time. okay so faq slash designers commentary slash errata games workshop have said that they're going to bring out a blood bowl update essentially in november and may every single year so we've known that the faq is coming so uh beginning the beginning of this week we put out a a thing on the youtube channel saying hey what is it that you're looking for from the faq let us know you know well it was the whole point was to do the top five friday which as this goes out today, if you're a patron, you've already seen it. If not, then go back and watch the video from yesterday because it was interesting. um and it was it was not exactly what we were expecting, but what we're gonna do trips, we'll we'll talk through the changes, the new changes to the FAQ, and then we'll talk about the changes. I think is probably the best way to do it. So let's focus let's focus on the blood bowl first of all. Um, what exactly can a team re-roll be used to re-roll? A team reroll can only be used when a team is active and during its own team turn. It can be used to re-roll all the dice at a dice pool. Uh, a team reroll may not be used to re-roll the following rolls. Deviation, scatter, bounce, armour, injury, casualty, throw-in, bribes, and argue the call. I think we knew that one already?
1: I think that... that- and there's a few of these we'll see it where the language has been tidied or if there was ever a case where there was confusion that or an ability to try and read it in a different way that's been cleared up
0: yeah and that is exactly we we mustn't forget this and that we're going to kind of summarize at the end with this but that is what the faq is for the faq is to hit on frequently asked questions and unmuddy certain rules so um the next one was an interesting one uh, can a team remove a team reroll from their roster during the league to lower their team value no once a team reroll has been bought it is permanently there for the duration of the league that was an interesting one it's it's not i don't know trips if that's come up too much but it's i don't i don't
1: think it's come up it's definitely some someone who's running a special stunty team has asked that question um so it needed answering but i don't uh particularly in this version i'll re a, a gold dust uh, you could give me <laughs> give me 12 and i'll still not use by turn two. six yeah
0: <laughs> yeah um blood bowl 2 i believe you can actually sell the rerolls. Uh, in between games to manage your team value so it's kind of uh, an important thing from a team development aspect now this does make you really think about whether you want to start with four re-rolls or start with three and then use a leader to pick up that fourth re-roll instead um because it kind of gets to the point where like oh i've got four re-rolls and now my guy's randomly rolled leader i don't need that many re-rolls maybe i'll get rid of a re-roll well in a league you can't so it's definitely worth worth knowing um the next one is about Blitz. If I roll a Blitz result on the kickoff event table, it states I'm allowed to activate D3 plus 3 open players. Do these players need to be open when the kickoff event is rolled, or can I activate players that become open during the Blitz, such as if a player pushes an opposition a player away from a teammate so that they are now open? Good strats, I like that. But they must be open at the time of the kickoff event. Uh... What... I get this one, Trips. And I, so always... I get it. this
1: This one feels like someone's had a big argument over what does blitz <laughs> mean, and it's bitterly ended up as an FAQ. Yeah, it's actually that it, in a way, it's a timing clarification. They've yes. tar- they've clarified. Yeah, when you have a blitz, at exactly what point are players open? Yeah, bef- and what you do first.
0: Yeah, I I like that. It does clarify it. Like, um, I did enjoy the whole aspect of, hmm, okay, I'll blitz this guy, which then frees up this guy who was on the line of scrimmage to now move. I did like that kind of aspect of it, but it does clear it up. It does make it more straight. I think if you're having a blitz turn, the best thing to do then is to just turn around the models that are marked at the beginning of that phase. That means that at no point can you accidentally free up a player and then accidentally move a player.
1: And I, I, I think if if, if you rolled a blitz, be grateful you've rolled a blitz. Oh yeah. Use it, take it forward. Don't try it and yeah, don't it, game it too much. Game it so much mm. that uh, your opponent is literally going. Well, I, I won't have the ball.
0: <laughs> and you know what? This is another great reason why Blood Bowl Two I don't enjoy quite so much is because it's all the old kickoff stuff as well. Oh yeah. So it's like it oh, too much. The old blitz was was just horrible um so yeah that's good that's gone um can a player that performed a special action also make a move action before or after performing the special action trips i'm really glad they brought this one out because we talked about this with thorson right we
1: we had this in the game we we both were looking at the wording of the rule and you're like we can read it either way Mm -hmm. this is the way that we thought it should be played yes but um it's really good to see it clarified that quickly
0: so yeah so no unless the special action in question specifically states otherwise or is performed as part of a blitz action if applicable note that some special actions that can be used as part of a blitz action also state the player cannot move after performing the special action so if it unless it says you can do it you can't do it unless and you can't do it as part of a blitz so um basically one of the things that confused this is that when you throw a bomb the bombardier skill says this is a special action and you can't move after it then there are other actions that were a special action and don't say that you can't move so the precedent is set in the one that says you can't move that why would it say you can't move after it unless you normally can well actually they've cleared it all up if it's a special action unless it says you can move you can't move so that is a good thing and now we know how to thaw- how to use Thorson correctly and i think that does make him less powerful which is fine he's in the middle category now which i think is a fair yeah. one uh, does a player who has the jump up skill need to roll to stand up if they also have a movement allowance of two or less no jump up works beautifully so tree man with jump up great way of doing it if you can wait 12 spp um i mean taking block might mean he doesn't actually get knocked over so i don't know maybe block is still better than jump up but someone's still doing it so uh, yeah good good to have the rule clarified absolutely it's a good one uh when a player declares an opposition player as the target of a blitz right basically uh when you declare a target when you blitz do you have to blitz only that target and yes you can only declare your block against that target so if you've got a minotaur you're saying right i'm gonna blitz your thrower Um, and then you activate him and then you move him and you go actually i want to block this dude instead you can't you can only block that thrower you don't have to block the thrower you can move the minotaur anywhere you want but you can only block that player because you declared him as a target i believe this is fully to do with the way that foul appearance works um yeah. or dump off as well <clears throat> yeah yeah and i like that that makes sense um all right this is this is the most contentious ooh. bit yeah this,
1: this this is the everyone went oh, they oh Hello. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, If a thrown player lands in an occupied square and then subsequently bounces into another occupied square, is the player that is in the new occupied square also knocked down? So that one made sense. That's Skittles. That's how we were rolling it anyway. If you chuck a goblin at a cage and it hits a bunch of dudes, the bunch of dudes are going to go down. However... That is why you chuck a goblin at a cage. (laughs) It was. However, if a thrown player lands in an occupied square it will automatically fall over after bouncing into an unoccupied square. Does this cause a turnover even if the thrown player was not carrying the ball? Yes. This set off a mini nuclear device in the video comments on the Blood Bowl community. Um, Now, let's, let's preface this. And there's a lot of opposing views that have come out of this. And there are two things that are both correct and are both true but counter mound each other those two things are the, the this is just what the rule says the rule says this happens because it says the dude falls over and page 20 or ever says falling over causes a turnover so yes one the rules have always said this but two because the subsection above that rule says it doesn't cause a turnover it means that everyone read it like this doesn't cause a turnover move on Yeah, it doesn't yeah, just assumed it's the same rules which means it's been most commonly played essentially incorrectly and that is why everyone's like oh this is ruined this is ruined because
1: yeah being played incorrectly more often than not especially and on our channel more, probably more fun in the incorrect way
0: way more fun so now with throwing a player if you throw a player without the ball and he crash lands on his own it's not a turnover if you throw a player who doesn't have the ball and he goes into the crowd it's not a turnover if you throw a player who doesn't have the ball but he hits another player then it is a turnover and this is the thing that's interesting even if you throw a guy into the ground and he dies and then use an apothecary and he dies again even if you kill a goblin twice it's not a turnover but if you throw a goblin into another goblin and they are both fine it is a turnover I, it, the flow doesn't feel right but it is absolutely what the rulebook says so it's a great faq in that regard it's good job doing it but it doesn't feel right that it's gonna be a it it it, it doesn't feel
1: like it's consistent i think that's always going to be the issue that's what always causes a bit of rule rage is consistency yeah um but it is the way the rules written in the first place um so from that point of view yeah it's good that they've tidied it up
0: yeah it it, it is massively going to affect stunty uh we'll talk about that in a bit i think it's probably the, the biggest biggest takeaway here uh
1: during well the biggest thing it changes is is that turn order of this because you're not throwing a player in to try and do something and then run players through the gaps you've created because yeah he lands on something and that's your last
0: action of the turn yeah goblins snotlings you throw a player at the cage then you throw a bomb at the cage then you run in and get the bomb and then you run in and get the ball. Now you throw a bomb at the cage and you throw a player at the cage. If the player at the cage bit works, that's the end of the turn. So it's 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 quite big. It does sadly raise the question of what about kick teammate? Does that still... It, technically, it's still about landing a player. It doesn't actually say with a thrown player. Um, it just says, oh, yeah, it does. If a thrown player lands at an occupied square. So that's going to raise some FAQs around kick teammate. Um, yeah. which i don't want to touch right now we'll figure it out um during the end of drive sequence what happens first players sent off or weather effects secret weapons are sent off first i think that's a good clarification if a player makes a superb kick teammate special action does it generate star player points like a throw teammate special action no again that is how it's written that is correct it's a shame
1: it's not fun but it's the way the rule is written
0: yeah it's it's yeah. Um, this one I like. If I hire a journeyman that gained an advancement during step three of the post-game sequence, how much do they cost to hire? They will cost the same as their current value, including the cost of any advancements gained. Basically, if you've got a scaven journeyman and he causes two touchdowns, and you go, "Oh, cool! I'll level him up." Uh, he's now going to cost seventy k. Basically, if your journeyman does good stuff, buy him. Do not level him up. <laughs> level him up next game. Yes. Because yeah. uh, you'll save. You know, potentially 20k you'll save whatever
1: you're you gonna
0: grade now and there's a lot of the times where actually maybe a, a cheeky random skill is a great way to do it i've got a journeyman beastman i'll run a random on him see what he gets cool the guy got claw yeah i'll buy him for 70k instead of 60k there's there's definitely you could you just be just be careful don't be like oh great i can give that guy kick i'll give him kick and then i'll buy him because it, it, you're paying for that
1: there's going to be someone who's gone I've, that's that's the advancement I want i'll buy him I don't have that much money yeah
0: I can't get him <laughs> can, now can I have him at
1: his base place
0: yeah yeah so be be very careful of that one it, again it makes a lot of sense um if a player with the animal savagery trait has the jump up skill do they still get plus two to the roll if they wish to attempt to make a block while prone yes saxby loves a good jump up Minotaur uh and this is uh um, I, I think true it's to form. an
1: amazing, amazing skill on the Minotaur and um yeah, it turns the minor talk from being a mad frenzy um, idiot to a dead weight, scary mad frenzy to, idiot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So definitely watch it. Jump Up. This is the this FAQ is sponsored by Jump Up. Um, yes. Oh, here we go. If a player has both the Jump Up skill and the stab trait, can they use the Jump Up skill to allow it to make a block action from prone, uh, then replace this block action with a stab special action? Yes. So if you've got a Jump Up on your Dark Elf Assassin, uh, you can jump up and stab dudes.
1: So just like um, throwing has got nerfed, what what uh, this, and we'll see some more in a minute, this is why you should take an assassin in the Dark Elf team. <laughs> it's going to come
0: through in the next three FAQs. So uh, what exactly can the pro skill be used to re-roll? Um, re-roll a single dice rolled by the player on his own or part of a multiple roll. It cannot be used to re-roll that dice that was rolled as part of injury. Armour. Casualty. A roll that is not made during its own activation such as regeneration or a dice that is not rolled on behalf of that player specifically such as Brian or argue the call. Yeah, that made sense to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, if a player attempts to dodge away from a player with shadowing, which roll happens first? The dodge roll or the roll for shadowing? The dodge roll will happen first and once the dodge has been resolved, the opposing player may roll for shadowing if they wish. I like that. That's good sequencing. Good sequencing.
1: and yeah. And pretty logical because you can't shadow a player who's fallen over
0: it would have been potentially useful for them to say in what order you roll a go for it Uh, sorry a rush and a dodge um now we got really good as a a player base of declaring it um yeah and ultimately it doesn't really matter because both things are going to go you know it's all going to go wrong but it it does come up very because a lot of that dodging is going to be a three plus and the go for it's going to be a two plus and it's just a, it's just an interesting one unless you're nursing it and then it's nice mm. and easy just give up just give up play skaven <laughs> um if a player has both the frenzy and stab trait if they declare a block action which results in a pushback when they follow up and have to perform a second block action, can they stab instead? Yes, this is how it used to be. This is how it is correct to be. So yeah, this is the rise of the frenzy assassin. I really hope we get a hobgoblin team or a night goblin team with a goblin with stab. Uh, we need
1: another need another player with stab now, because you just don't see assassins enough and it's a great skill, but it's not no a great positional within their build
0: assassins are good in tournaments because of the rise of underworld and snotlings um i played against a sandball game three was against dark elves we drew one all in the end um but he was running two assassins and it was just stab stab taking out snotlings left right and center brilliant especially with like norse coming now now they're, they're, they're low armor actually assassins worth considering in a tournament environment they will get beaten up in a league um can a player, or oh, I like this one, can multiple players from the same team use on the ball in response to the same pass action? If so, what happens if one of them falls over? Yes, they all get to use on the ball, but it's done sequentially, and if a dude falls over, no one else can be moved. So essentially, if when on the ball kicks in, you have a little mini blitz turn where the on the ball guys do stuff, but if you get an on the ball turn turnover, then the on the ball turn phase ends.
1: I, I would I would love to play in an adge-parsi league <laughs> and give a load of players
0: on the ball now.
1: You, you you would be a nightmare. Be like, oh, you're throwing the ball. Excellent. I shall just
0: reposition
1: my entire team.
0: Yes, I do like this ruling. It makes a lot of sense um, because otherwise it's just a case of I can just take really bad dodges with all my on-the-ball guys and nothing matters. Yeah. Actually, this is like you still can't go crazy with it. Um i like that i think that's probably the right thing um does a player with ball and chain have to use their full movement no we knew yeah. that but good to get it cleared up um does skills that, uh, this is my favorite one does skills one. yeah, yeah. yeah. do skills <laughs> that apply to the ball but are not part of a pass action such as fumble also apply to a bomb no because a bomb is not a ball oh. <laughs> actually how the faqs were in i like that a lot um, can a player use a re-roll of any kind, team reroll, pro, etc., to re-roll to see if a bomb that was caught will explode? No. I like that. Um, I think it's a nice bit of clarity because it is kind of a thing that only comes up like once every month in a league, and it's like, uh, I don't know. No, you can't. If that bomb goes off, the bomb goes off. If you're playing bomber dribble snot that bomb is gonna go off anyway. Um can players using chainsaw get assists for fouls? Yes, which is excellent. Again, we knew that, but it's nice to have it clarified. Uh, can a team reroll be used to reroll a regeneration roll? No, as the active team's turn has already ended by the time the regeneration reroll is made. Yeah, so again, that one came up at league a couple of times, didn't it, Trips? And yeah. Um, it's good to have a definitive no if a player holding the ball is turned into a frog as the result of the zap spell and the ball is first forced to bounce is a turnover caused no that's good that was an edge case where you can use the wizard at the start of your opponent's turn so their turn has started they then drop the ball as the ball carrier which causes a turnover doesn't anymore so that's good um hackflem when does he get to use his special ability it is only at the start of his activation again we that's that's good that's straightened that up um so there's a bunch of stuff in the death zone bit which is uh mostly inducement related they're all very specific i don't think there was anything in there that was um particularly important uh what happens when a wizard hits the crowd nothing cares no one cares lots, lots of
1: someone has asked the question and it could be answered, but yeah, nobody,
0: not nobody, really needed to know the answer. So I was a bit. uh, There's not. Well, there's only one Dungeon Ball FAQ. I think if a player on a portal is rooted as per the take root trait and then is subsequently teleported, such as by a chain reaction, are they still considered to be rooted? No. I like that. That makes sense. Um must really suck to get rooted on a teleporter though
1: yeah I mean, it, it's pretty rare and but it might happen
0: um <laughs> yeah I love that this is frequently asked questions how frequently yeah. how frequently <laughs> was that question asked like really I mean, we we we've discussed
1: whether trees are potentially the worst positional in Dungeon Bowl yeah, and only good thing might be covering the end zone. Well, if they get rooted on a teleporter now, well, they're they're going to be more mobile,
0: which is excellent. Um, Okay, this one... This one sucked, Trips. And um, when Scylla Anfingrim uses his Fury of the Blood God special rule to perform two block actions, is the first block action made in its entirety, including the use of the fury skill before the second block action is made. Yes. Okay. Trips, what does Fury do?
1: Uh you'll have to remind me on this one, because I haven't looked into this star player very much.
0: Oh no, 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 no. No, no, no. There is no Fury skill. Um, <laughs> oh is this the frenzy yes yes yeah uh so this one has not really clarified this i think what it means but then if you're saying i think what it means about an faq document all you're doing is creating another faq document so this then turns into a multiverse kind of situation and there's enough of that in the cinemas so um basically if scylla fails a really angry check He can pop his feet to use Fury of the Blood God, which means he gets to make two block actions. The question was, are those block actions sequential? When does he choose multiple targets and can it be multiple targets? The answer was yes. So we still don't know how that works. Um, what it says is, is the first block action made in its entirety, including the use of the fury, which we believe means frenzy skill before the second block action is made.
1: Yeah. So Scylla's special rule is fury of the blood god. Yes. Which is why they've written fury. Yeah.
0: Which is why they've written fury instead of frenzy. So the whole idea is that when uh, a minotaur or a blood beast gets angry, they just stand there being angry. When this dude gets angry, he attacks twice instead. Yeah. So... How this is supposed to play out, I believe, given the FAQ answer, is he makes a full strength five block action, follows up with frenzy, blocks again, and then makes an entirely new block action. But what we yes. needed to know is is it on the same player? Does he choose a new yeah. target yeah. now because yeah. he's Doesn't already moved? Really... No, because yeah. and how do you pick that player and <laughs> exactly. Now I I think um as it stands now with the FAQ, it's an entirely different block action. Therefore, he doesn't need to declare that target of the block action and should therefore be able to double block a dude or push, push, and then block a guy who he wasn't in base contact with. So, well, if Scylla is on the edge of the class, cage,
1: yeah, if, does he, is he moving around and yeah. ending up blocking a player at two squares
0: away? Exactly. So, Scylla could now block hmm. his way into a cage and then block the ball carrier with the second block if and only if he fails that, um, animal savagery. No, not animal savagery unchanneled fury
1: so i think on behalf of everyone toing a tournament for the next uh six months uh figure out what you're going to
0: do with this one yeah. for the day <laughs> because if anyone brings Cilla, it's going to come up oh it will definitely come up uh and not only did they uh get it wrong once they got it wrong twice uh which is hilarious in the same bit Uh, So, uh, it was none of that. We got some more Death Zone clarifications, which were basically timing rules for wizards. So, if you are using a cool wizard from Death Zone, double-check it. I mean, Trips, we've run a Dungeon Bowl tournament now. We're pretty good at understanding that there will be questions of wizard timings.
1: Uh, I I think this was... it didn't need massively need doing but it was really they're really good timing clarifications yeah. which just can prevent the whole should it be here or should it be there it's that's it is it someone has gone through that very clearly and figured it out which is nice
0: yeah it's excellent i i do appreciate that this one was interesting so giants uh base size and tackle zones Uh, Add the following to the end of the second paragraph whenever a giant finishes a move action or follows up after a block action then they may change their facing if they wish though if done as part of following up after a block action they must still be marking the player if possible so we can assume then that changing of facing can only happen with the giant if they've blocked and followed up or if they've moved, which i tell you what does make sense. When we ran the Giants, it was a case of uh, if you activate the Giant, you can leave him how you want. Um, This does go counter to that. And then uh, the kickoff touchback rule was corrected in sevens, which is the ball is fine to land anywhere except in the kicking team's zone. Which is Thank great. Goodness, that's been done. We should, uh, we should run some sevens now. We should definitely run some sevens. Uh, right, dungeon ball. There was another bit. They corrected Snotlings to have Titchy, so we win. Yeah. We win. I think you find that uh, that was in a rule set recently used by us. <laughs> yeah, we we win that one. Um, that said, that said, uh, someone did flag this up on a comment in the video earlier about the Norse guys, uh, because the norse raiders in the spike magazine for a college of heavens don't actually have thick skull Ooh, which I is interesting
1: that's another typo but it hadn't but it probably would have missed the cutoff, I would imagine.
0: No, this is the thing. In the actual bit at the top, it said the rules presented here may differ slightly from those for Norse Blood Bowl teams. Oh. So they corrected the stunty the snottling error, but actually in spike fourteen Deliberately did it. The, the, yeah, so we got that wrong. I don't sure. I don't know how. I, I don't like that. I think that's uh, the whole point is the snotlings and the Fire College team didn't have Titchy. We made the ruling that they did have Titchy because a Snottling is a Snottling is a Snottling, and we just don't think it makes sense to have two identical players be yeah. ever so slightly different when they're the same model or the same really cost.
1: A, a, a Snottling's never going to be overpowered. So <laughs> yeah. if if, you, if a Snottling doesn't have Titchy, yeah, what is a Snottling? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting one. Um, then we got some uh favourite of corn updates, and then probably the biggest FAQ update, or the most obvious one to fix, that they waited so long for Barrack yeah. Farblast became cannoneer instead of strong arm, which was just obviously going to happen. Um
1: that, and... was, that was the one we'd all wanted. Everyone knew that happened, but uh we've had to wait. Till the official faqs for it
0: yeah and now i probably have to redo the spotlight video um then then we move on to the tier list which did not change
1: yeah
0: so that is all of the stuff that was in the designers commentary for may 2022. we've covered what's changed biggest yay or nay for you trips um so uh biggest yay for me is
1: actually they've not tweaked too much they've just done a lot of tidying and detail and i think running into the summer of blood bowl and tournaments and leagues and actually people being able to play i think it's great that there's not going to be a massive swing or change to things i think that's that's not a bad thing in my mind Uh, i'll open it up to you at that point (laughs)
0: um i (sighs) right this is this is interesting this is an interesting thing because i am i am absolutely in two minds but uh, i was looking at some of the video comments from the faq and some of the top five wish list and there's a comment right at the bottom of the faq bits uh was it bottom of that or was it wish list top five it was top five and it's from our buddy david priest um he said controversial opinion but maybe nothing Maybe it's hard enough to keep up with all the new teams and star players, plus the different rule sets from different leagues and tournaments. Any rules that people think are wrong are wrong for everyone. So it's fair. It's fine for those of us who've been following the game. It's really off-putting for new players when you show them three rule books and then say, oh, but you've also got to check these websites because they've changed some of the rules. So I think to your point, Trips, the biggest yay is the fact that they haven't changed that much
1: i actually I think that's a massive point because we we have agreed number of times what uh looked at other tournament players when other games are going on and, and you can see them with their sort of
0: oh even craig and ian when they're playing age of, of Sigmar at club the yeah. other week i was kind of like uh, i've got this i've got this and i've got this from a white dwarf and i'm like oh you guys that's just no it doesn't sound fun at all um actually i think david's priest david priest's point here i think is is absolutely superb it's like the less change the better if it's wrong it's wrong and everyone knows that it's wrong and therefore it is right and it is an acceptable thing however i am also of the opinion that i and i know this is uh, the blood tide would definitely want us to talk about this is actually having a rebalance having that bit of rotation is also really fun like it was really exciting when the tiers changed when the star players costs changed but i think that timeline is really important and and i think the more i guess i'm coming full circle on this because the the more we were involved with blood bowl and stuff it doesn't need to change up very often um it really doesn't like yeah if there's a couple of stupid things there's a couple of stupid things there's stupid things in every game um but i think the the so the biggest yay is that majority of these rules were tidy ups and yes the throw teammate one feels wrong but that is what it says in the rule book and that's how it's supposed to have been played the whole time um and fine you know what it hurts stunties and every faq hurts stunties hail mary got bad now throw teammate got bad and you know i imagine i don't know what can they do next time well, well they'll find something but, take um, away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take Titchy back away from the snotlings. But, um, I, I do I think that's the right thing. Uh,
1: so I, I think that I think there is a happy middle ground for which I think everyone would be happy, and that's where you use the May FAQ like they've used it now to tidy, to, tidy, to sort, to reword, to do the timings, to just do all the clarifications. And then you have the once a year meta change and you do that in November. Because if you do change any of the scoring, the pricing or, or the tiers on a regular basis, it will become a what? what is the tiering system this time? Whereas it's like the General's Handbook or the, the Tomb of Champions for Warcry. Yeah. Do it once a year, people can live with
0: that. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. I think that rebalance versus FAQ... FAQs are there to tidy up the rules. um And this one tidied up the rules. And at none of it here, with the exception of, uh, I guess, Scylla. And that's really just because yeah, it's, like, it's. Yeah, it's kind of a bit of an uncomplicated. But everything here was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's how we expected it to be. But how come people have been asking that? It's been written down. And that's great. But it's come through at faq because people were unsure about it so excellent we've now got it lined up and that's really good um it's interesting because when we looked at like things that people wanted from the faq the majority of it was rebalancing or rules changes um and actually there's it's interesting and i think that's that massive the massive breadth and width that blood bowl gives you of this is a game you can play 20 games a week and love it and that's less than one game per team right but there's also the coaches there that play three games a a year or a quarter because they go to one tournament every few months because that's all they can fit into their life. And actually, Blood Bowl is the kind of game that that deserves to just be the game as it is. And actually, if all they're doing is introducing new teams and optional rules that most events don't use, like so Death Zone, the only thing we've got in Death Zone for any of our events is the Giant, because it's really cool. Um, But actually, sitting down against an opponent in Blood Bowl who's got a team you've never seen before they sit down against Norse and they're like, oh, is this the new Norse team? Or they sit down against Corn and they're like, oh, what's this team do? Here's my team sheet. Literally everything you need to know is on this sheet. It's a few stats, a few skills, and you're good to go. That, I think, is excellent. But I think the more rebalancing that happens, it definitely gets rid of it. Now, there's another part of me, don't get me wrong, that would merrily pay £20 a year for a competitive book of blood bowl and this is the competitive format we've downgraded the cost of these stars we've upgraded the cost of these stars we've changed this skill on this team this is your competitive thing for this year go great now we've got you know underworld manual every year yeah see that would be amazing but it doesn't it, it it's not what blood bowl is about blood bowl is about playing within the rules because there's so much to do within the rules um and that's what puts me off. I love Adeptus Titanicus, but there's now so much stuff outside of just the yeah. table. Like Age of Sigmar and 40k are the worst for this. It's like it's like playing a war game in a Yu-Gi-Oh cartoon. I I'm like, yeah. what what is this? I don't want that to be the case of Blood Bowl, although I do want more wizards. Um yeah, and we got spoiled a little bit in no in
1: November with the changes to the stars and the tears, but di- did we all go, oh, this is going to be great, they're going to be updated, or was it then just going, we got the pricing a little bit wrong, we got the tiering wrong, we've yeah. seen what everyone is doing with Hack Flem and that needs to be stopped.
0: Yeah, and I think, you, I think we got excited at the prospect of, oh, wow, we're going to have a rebalance, uh, and this could be great. Well, there's definitely some elements that, that would be great, and some of the suggestions that you guys made about skills and things are like, well, why can't we, first of all, fix our merry pass why don't we make iron skin a little bit better why don't we make some of the skills that aren't used a little bit better i love the idea of that but then you get to that point where there's your rule book and your spike that's all you need right now and you really don't need the rule book very often and you don't really ever need a spike you need your roster you go to a blood ball event you need a roster that is basically all you're going to need except for the weather table and kickoff table because no one can remember it yeah because we played with the old one for 20 years uh that's it right everything else is good to go but if you get to the point where you're like right actually that rule does this now then it does get away from the the wonderful thing that is blood bowl is that the carnage of blood bowl is on the pitch on the table and you're both watching it fall apart if you have to study for a game it's not a game it's a job
1: and as we mentioned earlier hopefully BB3 might be out before the next FAQ. That would be good. And uh, Games Workshop have made Cyanide's life a bit easier by not rewriting a whole heap of rules, which means <laughs> it needs to be delayed for another three months. While they go, oh, uh, we were playing it the other way as well.
0: Yeah, we'll have Blood Bowl two uh, live with the old old rules. We'll have uh, Fumble live with, but pretty much closest rules to tabletop. There'll be Blood Bowl 3 that will be 6 to 12 months behind the most recent FAQ. Uh, and then there'll be Tabletop where everyone gets the rules wrong all the time anyway. And then you'll have our games on the channel uh, where we think we're doing the right thing. But by the time the video comes out, the FAQ's gone live. Um, and it doesn't. I really hated that. I can't remember what it was. It was on one of the videos and the video went live. And someone was like, oh, it doesn't work like that. I'm like, it, it, it blim indeed when we filmed it. Did. <laughs> But, but also I think that is a
1: that is such a key part, we've touched on it before and definitely when we've talked across the group, there are so many rules and decisions and details and you probably see this in any tabletop game, pretty much any board game, you're gonna make one or 2% mistakes and that's gonna happen. The, the trick is it's it's not to get really too hung up on it and go sometimes, Uh, it'll happen as long as no one's doing it deliberately to game it in the long run is it going to be the biggest worry in the world
0: yeah and i think david priest is probably right there there was a load of great comments between the two videos and stuff Um, and you know we look at our tournaments the last two tournaments we've done the meta the variety of teams the gameplay was so rich that if it stayed like this forever, with no new teams and no new rules, I really don't think it would suffer for it. And that is a pretty amazing place to be, I think, with this game. Although I want more teams and I want more rules, uh, but we don't need them and that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And and there's still, there is plenty of design space there and there's there's detail and actually, you, you tidy up all the rules as you go along it does give you the ability to bring in new rules so mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's maybe that's helplessness for the future is by not having weird interactions that we <laughs> didn't even think that we would ever worry about
0: right on that one then trips we'll wrap up but uh i don't know if we've had a chance to ask you this one new team can be introduced to blood bowl what would you want it to be
1: uh
0: so one new team um, well, other than sorting a team of legend, another
1: team yep. of legend, now, yep. um, new team. Um, uh, well, I'd, I'd like to see the spiders from uh, uh, Warcry come across <laughs> now uh, in some variant. I think that would um, truly freak everybody out, and um, a spider would be like a a, a, a beer boar
0: but with sting. Or oh, stab, like that. stab would work. Oh, sting and stab, yeah. Oh, scorpions with stab—that'd be quite fun. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I like that. that. that would be... I like that. I agree. We need spiders in Blood Bowl. Uh, Maybe a forest goblin team with spiders, like add spider riders, um, like the fumble team. Uh, I personally think that we are absolutely gagging for a chaos stunty team, so that we can actually see some of those chaos star players on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I think the team—the team I'd love to see from a Meg- game point of view is something i'd love to see a passing team come out that makes everyone want to pass the ball
0: that would be sweet i th- actually think some kind of um like elven league rule set yeah. rule set like they do with the other ones And I, I i think that that i i honestly think one of the things that would change it the most or would be really interesting to see is give the give if you throw to a dude and that dude scores a touchdown, then you both get the TDs. Yeah, you know, move the elf catcher into choose, the end zone. Or you can
1: choose who did the, the split of SPP across yeah, them, something like, make, like that. To, to make that, that more rewarding Or well, you, you could, yeah, you're advancing up your team could really, really benefit then because you could level up your star catcher who can then in
0: reverse level up your thrower. Exactly. Be really interesting and would be more kind of how the NFL works which I think is really cool. Anyway, trips, thank you so much for giving up your evening to talk through some Blood Bowl nonsense. Always appreciated. No um and guys, thank you very much for joining us. If you have if you're going to go to the July tournament get your tickets booked up soon and uh, then get your roster in the next few weeks because it's going to be an awesome event and uh, i'm glad i'm not going to be there but it will be great so that's the 9th of july and if you can't make that be you live near taunton a couple of weekends later you've got the excalibur a uh, blood bowl tournament so loads of blood Bowl kicking around and uh, we'll wrap up for the night thank you very much for sticking with us we'll be back soon with more blood Bowl content happy blocking Thanks very much for watching. We really appreciate your support. If you want to help support the channel even further, please like and subscribe or come join us on our Patreon. We have early access to content. We get loads of feedback from you guys and we try and do competitions as much as we can. Or you can get yourself some Bonehead podcast merch on our spreadshirt site. So if you want to support a team, especially for the Bonehead Championship, you can pick up a shirt, a mug, things like that. It all helps support the channel and we really appreciate it. Anyway, links below. Thank you very much. Happy blocking.